0: you're listening to the try and tackle podcast with your host province sports mobile editor patrick johnston
1: welcome to the try and tackle podcast it is sunday march 6th Patrick Johnson here, as always, here from the Vancouver Province. Joining me, as almost always, Curtis Reed from This Is American Rugby. Curtis, uh, you're in the beautiful Las Vegas airport.
0: I am watching people go through security, looking like deer in the headlights.
1: It's uh, it's kind of a standard feeling. I mean, I was a bit sad that I didn't get to go there this year, but uh, at the same time, uh, Vegas is what it is, and uh, I'm not surprised to hear that people look like deer in the headlights. Yep. Uh, so, Curtis, you know, America finished fourth. Canada lost the Shield final. Uh, it was an interesting weekend from that standpoint. I think it was a, I, I mean, my write-up, I've kind of framed it as uh, what a reminder of nice, a nice edge uh, seven, rugby sevens can be. You, know, you look two years ago, the third, fourth place final was Canada versus Samoa. Today they play in the Shield final. You dial your dive all the way back to Friday, that 26-26 draw between Canada and the U.S., Canada probably, you know, they had the chance to win the game. They didn't. They probably should have won it if you want on the balance of everything, but they didn't. And America rolls around, comes back, lucks out, gets in the cup round, and makes things happen. Just kind of a
0: fascinating weekend for me. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the players the coaches all talked about it all weekend that anybody can win. You know, I talked to Mike Friday after the Wales game, and Wales have been struggling this year. He said, "Wales, well, good team. They can beat anybody." And I think that's the beauty of sevens, especially as it approaches Rio, is that you know, on any given day, probably teams one through twelve can pull off an upset. You know, we'll see about Brazil, but of course, they beat the U.S. in the ARC, which we'll talk about some other boy. Yeah, but you know, one through twelve could win the whole tournament, and I think it's going to be fascinating.
1: It's really interesting. I mean, I, I look at—I finally got to catch up with that Canada Wales game and. Uh, the the game that if Canada had won by five points, they would have been in the cup. Instead, they lost 17-10. I think they made seven unforced errors on the official stats count. Uh, You know, a a team that kind of wrote its own story and not in a good way. And then you look at the American team, and I I was able to listen to your interview with Mike Friday afterwards, and, and, you know, Mike singling out Perry Baker for his work on a narrow pitch. To me that's been the the most impressive thing with the American team under Mike Friday is that they've been able to find sort of superstar performances from a whole bunch of different guys and kind of out of nowhere
0: sometimes. Yeah, I think it's, it's a matter of everybody knows their role, but at the same time, everybody has an expectation that they're going to do the dirty things. So what he's really singling out is Perry Baker on defense, Perry Baker at the breakdown can do that and you know he does not see any transformation for mike friday it's just that commitment from every player to win the ball back and some tournaments it works sometimes it doesn't um but you know it's just a it's fun thing to watch right now at the moment and i think as they enter vancouver that competition will be even tougher and i do have to say going back to canada you know they did not play poorly Uh, you know it's just a matter of Conditions. It's a matter of you make one mistake and an opposing team now will punish you. And I just think Canada shouldn't feel down about the performance so much as feel unlucky.
1: Yeah, I think that's not a bad way to put it. I mean, you even look at the first game of the whole tournament when Samoa beat Fiji. They took their chance. Of course, Fiji, I think Ben Ryan said before the tournament, they'd had a bit of a virus go through the team, you know, and they had to deal with that. They did look pretty lethargic in that loss, but they you know, the Samoans took their chances, they forced the issue. Canada when they forced the issue have looked fantastic, but they they you know, you look at the loss to Wales, um the way things went against Samoa in the final. There were just these moments where they looked out of sync and we've seen that before this season. And I don't quite know if that's a familiarity thing that there were there were a lot of changes to the lineup for the Canadians. They they had a bunch of their veteran guys come back. I thought Connor Trainer for the most part looked fantastic but at the same time there was also a, a a try uh against Samoa that was a you know him basically throwing a loose pass that's how it goes that's the nature of the game so uh interesting you know Canada has a great pool I don't think there's any denying that for Can- for the Canada 7s next weekend and uh, the Americans on the other side you know they've got a tough pool they've they've got a lot of challengers in there Uh, What was the feeling, uh, you know, in terms of just playing conditions? You know, there was a bit of discussion. Field was a little bit wider than it has been in the past at Vegas. Still not that wide. I'm more curious about the turf. It seemed to me like a lot of guys were slipping. Was there much discussion of that?
0: Yeah, there were certainly discussions of the conditions. And, you know, it's a storyline at this tournament. Year after year, whether it's a narrow pitch or whether it's a hard pitch they had in years past. You know, whether... I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but it's American exceptionalism again, right? We're exceptional because we're American and we have to have these certain conditions in order to get people here, whatever have you. But it certainly affects the way players play, whether it's a narrower pitch so you can't get a speedy player like Brian Habana out in the pool or Carlin Isles, or whether it's having this new turf that makes the ball bounce funny. You saw, you know, sometimes restarts bounce in funny places and teams capitalize uh the turf itself it seemed like it's pretty nice turf so i don't think there were any issues on that i think if there was some slippage it's because it was raining and players didn't really wear the right cleats for it when it started raining you need a little bit of a deeper cleat on the turf so that you stick a little bit more um but the rain was so off and on, it was you can't really blame the players for that. I don't think the turf was so much of a, an issue, except with the ball bouncing. The real issue was the wind. Today, the wind just shook everybody up. You know, they the poor little ball boy would go place the ball at midfield, and it would roll past the 22 because of the wind. So um, those conditions, I think, were more adverse than the, the pitch. Well, I'm a bit curious. I
1: know you don't have a lot of time left, but we, we think about – how this event went, you know, obviously this is the, I think this is what, the fourth time you've been there. Um, oh, how, how, would you sum, like how would you sum up this edition of the USA sevens in terms of, you know, maybe fan experience, playing experience. <laughs> what did you find yourself thinking about as the weekend
0: went along? Uh oh, it's hard for me to relate to fan experience. Uh, judging by the number of people stumbling into the airport. They might've had a good time, <laughs> but you know, uh, I think, I think it was the so-so version of the tournament. Um, it was kind of hard to get a grasp on which teams were the favorite because the schedule was funny. They, you know, it's not just that American exceptionalism in terms of using turf and a narrow pitch. It's also TV. Because this event is on NBC and NBC Sports here in the U.S., it comes at weird times, and there's longer breaks than normal, and there's breaks between games that shouldn't have breaks. So, for example, the U.S.-South Africa pool match took place like 20 minutes or something after the previous match, and it was the last pool match to go before the afternoon on Saturday. It was just weird in that sense. Like, I think it's fun for fans. I think it's fun for Fans watching on t v but for players it's got to kind of drive them batty It's probably you know if it wasn't for Vegas and it wasn't for kind of the the fun atmosphere the fans have, players would probably hate this tournament the way that it runs, and that's kind of the vibe that I got It's a fun event for the fans. it's not going anywhere as it shouldn't It's great, but I think the players would like to see some improvements in terms of how it's run uh now
1: we'll turn her just quickly before you go. We'll turn our eyes to Canada, Canada sevens. You know, huge crowd expected. They've already, they it's opened up 5,000 more seats, uh, which I'll bring in the upper bowl. My understanding is they're going to pull back, they got to pull back one of the curtains. They had to sort of figure out what was the best way to do that. They're going to make it happen. The place is going to be loud. It's going to be exciting. I know there's a bit of a buzz. At least people who are going, there's a buzz. We'll see how they're able to kind of build that out beyond just the stadium. Um, what What was the kind of, was there any kind of chatter? I mean, I know teams are focused on the here and now, but You know, was there any kind of chatter about uh, what people were maybe hoping to see or expecting this weekend?
0: Yeah, I think they're really looking forward to Vancouver. People that have been to Vancouver, as you know, just rave about the city. It's, you know, I might get in trouble with my Seattle folks, but I think it's the most pretty city in North America, if not the world. It's just such a fun city to go. And I think the players that have been before, you know, told others, and there's just kind of a buzz to get up to Vancouver and to, Check it out and see a new stop.
1: I guess the thing that I kind of I'm finding myself thinking about is the Canadians. You know that they're they they admitted. You know they they were trying they were trying not to think about you know all the way to Canada. They, they wanted to put on a good show in 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 Vegas because they knew there was a you know that they wanted to put themselves in the best possible seating position. They've kind of lucked out with, uh, with the with pool, the pool they have. Um, uh, but at the same time, I look at how well the Americans generally have thrived on the hometown crowd. And uh, I, I think the Canadians are you know, going to be able to feed off that. I'm just kind of wondering, as your last comment, how have the American team found way to, to channel the hometown energy uh, over
0: the past few years in Las Vegas? I think they've, for the most part, especially under Mike Friday, have been able to channel it into coming out with a lot of energy They want to play for their families, in front of their families. They want to play in fans. I also think, you know, it's kind of unspoken, but there's the added pressure of having the Falcons, the USB team, play in a tournament alongside them. So you really get kind of a direct comparison of players. And so I think there's a hunger on 1 through 12 on the first team to prove that they belong. I think that fuels them. I just think, you know, you... You know, in in some sense, having all these distractions makes you focus even more. And I think that's what Mike Friday has been able to get the team to do is really kind of focus um, and block everything out. I think Canada will enjoy something similar. Uh, it's just that hometown energy, that hometown pride. You know, having O oh, Canada sung just like you know the Star Strangled Banner is sung. It's gonna make those players have a little extra step and a little extra pep, and when they get out to a hot start that's infectious and they want to keep playing that way.
1: All right, Curtis, I know you got to run. Thanks as always for joining us. Uh, this is AmericanRugby.com. This is a rugby on Twitter. This is
0: American rugby on Facebook. Curtis last thought before you head off. Last thought is I cannot wait to get to Vancouver and back to the Pacific Northwest and Cascadia and enjoy our beautiful ocean and mountain views. All right, folks. Uh,
1: as always, uh, Happy to, happy to have you aboard. You can find me, of course, on Twitter, at RisingAction, uh, provincesports.com, facebook.com, slash Try and Tackle. Uh, lots happening this week, all kinds of coverage. I know Curtis has lots of stuff planned. He's coming up for the weekend. I'll be around all week trying to get as much as I can out, and uh, we'll hopefully maybe get another podcast next weekend, maybe something before that. We'll see what happens. We'll see you again soon.
0: You've been listening to the Province Sports Try and Tackle podcast with your host, Province Sports mobile editor Patrick Johnston. Find this and other great sports podcasts in iTunes or subscribe to using your favorite podcast app by clicking the links available on theprovincepodcast.com.